And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, October 3rd, 2023, and this is the Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 279. Make sure you subscribe to the show. It's available across every downloadable podcasting platform. Find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, and Google Podcasts. Check out the Steak for Breakfast link tree that will take the show's Instagram, our latest Substack, and verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and Truth Social. What's going on, everybody? Busy Tuesday edition of the show today. I'm Ro. Noah's here. Yo. Lots of breaking news. Can a house divided stand much longer? We've reached the threshold of the motion to vacate. We'll be tracking and bringing you the latest. Also, President Trump was in California at the California GOP convention luncheon last week. We've got the highlights of that. He also made stops in Iowa before reaching Manhattan today, where he's in court facing some of his civil lawsuits. We've got a great slate of guests coming in here today as well. South Carolina Congressman Ralph Norman will be joining us. Former Ambassador Carlos Sands will be here as well, and we'll sit down with Jeremy Ryan Slate for the first time. But before we get into any of our interviews or take it over to the nation's capital, let's jump right into the headlines and change the way you consume your news. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! Well, yeah, um, I'll tell you what, he may not be the part of the team if he keeps talking that way because uh, he was high-fiving everybody like this was some great victory. We knew in January that we had to pass 12 appropriations bills. He and, and so many others wait till the very last minute to jam people with bad spending bills uh, with the excuse that the, the, the only option we had was to shut down government or spend too much money. That's not the option. He promised when he ran for speaker that we would have uh, 12 votes on 12 separate bills, um, and he did not fulfill that promise. Then he promised the, the president a very high number on spending, and he promised uh, other Republicans in the House lower numbers. So he has made promises that conflict with each other. This had nothing to do with people wanting to shut down government. Nobody wanted to shut down government. But also, we, we care very deeply about where this country is going to be. Have you asked uh, Donald Trump, your friend, to come out and publicly support more aid to Ukraine and to push some of these skeptical members of the Republican conference? I'll leave it up to him to what to do, but he wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Well, Vladimir Putin has been praising him for yeah, his comments well, about Russia. Ukraine. Here's what I'll Ukraine. say about President Trump. He did not pull the plug on Afghanistan, even though he wanted to. The biggest mistake we made since the war on terror is withdrawing from Afghanistan. To President Trump and anybody else, if we pull the plug on Ukraine, that's 10 times worse than Afghanistan. There goes Taiwan. To stop funding Ukraine is a death sentence for Taiwan. Putin will keep going. You missed all of World War II if you don't know how this uh, movie ends. To the Republicans who say Ukraine doesn't matter to us, you're wrong. I was really appalled of watching Democrats' actions today. To delay it to get to a shutdown. But when we found that an individual elected to Congress would pull a fire alarm. That's a new low. You know, I don't know why this has gotten so much attention. I was literally just in a rush to go vote, man. That's all it was. If somebody wants to make a motion against me, bring it. All right, jumping into the news portion of our show today, getting things kicked off today. I'm still Roan. Noah's still here. Yep. It's been a busy week. And it's only Tuesday. It was a busy weekend. What do you think, Noah? So busy. 
It's so busy, I can't even keep track of it all. Well, your federal government's still open for operation. I'll admit, I was wrong. I gave it a pretty firm yup. So did everybody show. else who came through the show. But here's the thing. The uh, dumpster fire flames just got 10 feet higher because we are... Can we do the wall of that instead, instead of the dumpster fire? We're 20 minutes away here on the East Coast from the vote to remove Kevin McCarthy as the motion to vacate has been initiated. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Good or bad? We're never going to get who we want as speaker. No. But... Kevin McCarthy hasn't uphold any. Where's the accountability? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and for but what f- happens if we do get rid of him? And I'm not for or against. I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens. But what if we get somebody worse? It's a great question that right now I personally don't have the answer to. You know, a couple people came to mind over the course of the last couple of days that I was thinking that might be able to kind of clear the threshold as like a five out of ten for America First that could be potential speakers of the House. I'm talking about at least five Stephonic. out of ten. That's yeah. like 50-50. Elise Stefanik, Tom Emmer, Steve Scalise, and maybe even Ken Buck. Who's? It's weird. You're going to see a lot of this, too, as, as the day kind of unfolds. And, and by the end of the show, we'll be able to tell you guys more accurately what's happened with the speaker vote. But you're going to have people that you know voted for Kevin McCarthy not to become speaker for, let's just say, 14 or 15 rounds who are going to be a no on motion to vacate. And then you're going to have people who thought that the theatrics that went on in January with Kevin McCarthy and, and how long it took him to obtain the speaker gavel was absolute fucking disaster. And at the same time, they're going to be a first vote. Yes. On motion to vacate and, and, and things like that are just going to be coming at us from all angles right now. And, you know, again, I want to reiterate the fact those names that I mentioned as far as potential speakers of the houses, I'm talking about those people could probably, on their best day, maybe pass a full house vote to get the gavel, get to 218. Uh, on the other hand, though, I wouldn't rather the lot of them to be Speaker of the House. And when you just look at how a lot of them have flip-flopped on the issues or are ideologically aligned with Kevin McCarthy, that's just, in a perfect world, we'd have a Speaker Gates, Speaker Donald, somebody like that, super-based, America first, who's going to like shut it down and probably not have as many congressional recesses. There's probably going to be a lot of people pulling the fire alarms if somebody like that got in. And by fire alarms, I mean Molotov cocktails. I've sent you some funny ones from Jamal Bowman's (laughs) theatrics this weekend, but here's the deal. Now, every time he does a speaking event anywhere, the memers are just not changing anything on it, but putting the fire alarm chirp in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the smoke detector chirp? Yeah. So absolutely oh. fantastic, and and you know I still can't believe he's trying to say that that wasn't on purpose. Like you have to f- like give me a fucking break. Like those literally, those those fire alarms have like a a piece of glass that breaks when you pull them. It, it, there's no fucking way. Oh, I was just in a hurry to go vote. Mm. You were a hurry to go vote and like just pull some random red fucking lever. What are you retarded? It's going to be interesting to see if he gets his 22 months in prison without any kind of, you know, legal aid before he gets his day in court and is sentenced to a decade in prison, you know, for essentially interrupting what a uh, an official proceeding or whatever. Yeah, I feel like there's some people that are uh, in the gulag right now for that. Hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of the gripiness came down from gripiness? Yeah. What happened behind closed doors as a continuing resolution, a 45-day Band-Aid was put on the federal government's budget and at the moment continues all of Joe Biden's reckless, 
Green New Deal infused, job killing, wage killing, middle class killing agenda continues to roll on. And that was that Kevin McCarthy apparently was making side deals to get the vote to no. keep the government open uh, in the House behind closed doors and with Democrats. Here's a, a release from Democrat leadership yesterday that came out shortly after the CR was passed. And it said, tonight, a bipartisan minorities in the House and Senate voted to keep the government open, preventing unnecessary crisis that would have inflicted needless pain on the millions of hardworking Americans. This bill ensures the active duty troops will continue to get paid. Travelers will be spared airport delays. Millions of men and women and children will continue to have access to vital nutrition assistance, barf, Mm -hmm. and so much more. This is good news for the American people. However, I want to be clear. We should have never been in this position in the first place. Just a few moments ago, Speaker McCarthy and I, and this is from the office of Hakeem Jeffries, reached a budget agreement to avoid precisely this type of manufactured crisis. Not really. It's their own fault, their leadership. For weeks, extreme House Republicans, that's the chaos caucus, tried to walk away from the deal by demanding drastic cuts that would have been devastating for millions of Americans, and they failed. While the Speaker and the overwhelming majority of Congress have been steadfast in their support for Ukraine, there is no new funding in this agreement to continue this support. We cannot under any circumstance allow for the American support of Ukraine to be interrupted. I fully expect the Speaker will be steadfast in his commitment to the American people and to the people of Ukraine to secure passage of support and needed help to help the Ukrainians at this critical juncture in their conflict. (sighs) Critical juncture? Out of the Senate, you know, there, were, there was more in the House, but in the Senate, only nine voted no to uh, pass this continuing resolution. That's Mike Lee out of Utah, Bill Haggerty out of Tennessee, Ted Cruz out of Texas, J.D. Vance out of Ohio, Eric Schmidt out of Missouri, Rand Paul out of Kentucky, Roger Marshall out of Kansas, Mike Braun out of Indiana, and Marsha Blackburn also out of Tennessee. So what you're seeing now is a production of receipts. As the government stays open, it's those who actually wanted to stand by their word and those who didn't, um, you know, going into last night and early this morning, I think there was five hard yeses on Kevin McCarthy motion to vacate. And then there was, you know, essentially the rest of the 20 who mm-hmm. were leaning to vacate the speakership as well. So we'll see where they get to at the end of the day. I mean, we're going we're gonna to have some congressmen uh, joining us to kind of get their insight and uh, maybe even one post vote. We'll just have to see how the show plays out. You know, this is a extremely fluid situation. There's been committee meetings and, and backdoor meetings all morning, uh, honestly, through the night last night. And we're going to kind of take you through this. Touching on the, the Ukraine deal, Matt Gates was on the floor on Sunday making his case and stumping hard for America first. Let's hear him. I rise to raise a question. What was the secret side deal on Ukraine? House Democrats and President Biden have said that as Speaker McCarthy was asking Republicans to vote for a continuing resolution so as to avoid having to take the Senate's plus up in Ukraine money, that the Speaker of the House was actually cutting a side deal to bring Ukraine legislation to this floor with President Biden and House Democrats. So let me get this straight. To extend Joe Biden's spending and Joe Biden's policy priorities, the Speaker of the House gave away to Joe Biden the money for Ukraine that Joe Biden wanted. 
It is going to be difficult for my Republican friends to keep calling President Biden feeble while he continues to take Speaker McCarthy's lunch money in every negotiation. And, you know, without going through the whole five minutes that he had for the floor, he kind of gives you the insight there. You know, it's, it was just announced literally in the last minute or two because they're having a White House press conference ahead of the vote to remove Kevin McCarthy as speaker. You know, there's a lot of news breaking. First of all, KGP has said that Ukraine will be able to last, and I'm quoting now, a couple months. Oh, not a historic amount of time? And transparent amount of time? Definitely not transparent. There's been zero audits with the funding that they have left, but it is critical as they're running low on munitions. Mm. So, you know, you've seen some videos circulating on Telegram recently where the uh, Ukrainian soldiers on the back lines are are cutting the cluster bombs open and and using them as uh, single-shell artilleries. Wait, what? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a thing? Apparently so. Good for them. Fire in the hole. Jeez. In addition, there's also rumors going around right now as one of the people that I, you know, thought could pass the threshold of obtaining the speaker gavel, Ken Buck, is going to be uh, possibly the interim speaker. That news is developing right now, and we'll continue to track it throughout the course of the show as we're in the 11 o'clock hour here on the West Coast. So... Matt Gates did the Sunday morning news circuit and went on every single show imaginable. Meet the fake press, CNN State of the Fake Union. He was on mornings with Maria and all this other bullshit. Again, refuting and arguing that the clean funding stopgap to fund the government for 45 days was bullshit. And then again, a failure of Kevin McCarthy to do his job and in concurrence with the fact that he hasn't owned up to his promises agreed to in January. So... He said, you'll see it this week at some point come down. I was really hoping it was going to be for like today at the end of the day so we could wait till Friday to see how things went out. But, of course, it happens at the end of the business day yesterday, and Matt Gates took to the House floor and in turn asked for his time, asked to bring a resolution, asked to talk about what exactly it was for, and made the motion to vacate. Let's hear it. For what purpose does gentleman from Florida seek recognition? Vice extend my remarks. Without objection, the gentleman is recognized for one minute. Mr. Speaker, pursuant to Clause 2A1 of Rule 9, I rise to give notice of my intent to raise a question of the privileges of the House. Does the gentleman first yield back his one-minute speech? I do. From what, for what purpose does the, does the gentleman from Florida now seek recognition? When you have Mr. Some, Speaker, somebody seeing it over the speakership, they, they need to get told what to say. I notice of my intent to raise a question of the privileges of the House. The gentleman will state the form of his resolution. Declaring the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives to be vacant. Resolved that the office of Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant. Hmm. Under Rule 9, a resolution offered from the floor by a member other than the majority leader or the minority leader as a question of the privileges of the House has immediate precedence only at a time designated by the chair within two legislative days after the resolution is properly noticed. Pending that designation, the form of the resolution noticed by the gentleman from Florida will appear in the record at this point. The chair will not at this point determine whether the resolution constitutes a question of privilege. That determination will be made at the time designated for consideration of the resolution. And don't quote me or kill me on that, but I believe that was Brian Mass out of Florida who was presiding over the speakership chair and the gavel at the time when he gave Matt Gates the floor. 
You'll never guess this one, Noah. What? And in the fallout of that, Marjorie Taylor Greene is a no on motion to vacate because her old boyfriend is in the crosshairs of Matt Gates now. Oh, no. Who she claims to be friends with from time to time. And here's the thing. There was a lot of pushback from everyone, but especially on the America First side that said Matt Gates current stance on the motion to vacate is theatrics. I mean, you know, you had uh, the gals over at Ruthless referring to him as a clown congressman and said that what he was doing right now was, I'm quoting now, ass clownery. You've got people saying that this is the way it always is in Washington, D.C. This is going to be a thing for a minute, and then it's going to be gone, and it's like it never happened. I don't really think so. When, when you kind of look at the history of it, there hasn't really been too much of a motion to vacate when it comes to the speakership right now. And, you know, it's always an uphill battle. No speaker ever has been removed by the manner that Matt Gates used yesterday up on Capitol Hill. In 1910, a Republican Speaker of the House named Joseph Cannon, whose opponents on both sides of the aisle called him a tyrant, made a motion to vacate against himself, calling the bluff of his critics. The motion failed overwhelmingly, and Cannon remained Speaker. Also, and more current, Noah, you probably remember, there was a motion to vacate proposed against embattled House Speaker, Republican from Ohio, John Boehner, from the House in October of 2015. And he wound up self-stepping down. Hmm. So, aside from that, we haven't really seen anything in regards to what's going on with this motion to vacate. I saw Ken Buck was uh, doing the cable news circuit last night and kind of weighing in on, on where we're at now in regards to the speakership and, and, and Matt Gates move to, I guess, evict Kevin McCarthy from the gavel. Let's check it out. At the beginning of the year. And, and it was because of the promises that he made that we would handle each of these appropriations bills separately. So, yeah, I want to hear what he has to say. You know, 45 days is just the first uh, CR, the first continuing resolution. There will be more. And, and it, uh, if we can get nine or ten done in these 45 days and one omnibus. or two left in, in one or two weeks, that's a great position to be in. I know you're not going to give me names for alternatives. You've that, said Noah? it's not you. Ken Buck is not on the list. But have you discussed with any of your colleagues alternatives to Kevin McCarthy? Oh, I think there are a number of alternatives. And no one wants to put their head up while Kevin is the speaker. No one wants to be the person who looks like they took him down. So they will rise. If this motion to vacate passes, you will start to see other names uh, of people that come up. Uh, obviously, Steve Scalise is the next in line. Steve has some health issues, but I think he has a huge amount of respect in, in the conference. It's What's the name of that show? Circle Back with Saki? Mm. When you're favies. What's the name of the show? Inside. Inside? With Inside the Circle Inside. with Jen Saki. <laughs> now you're talking about Venn diagrams. <laughs> you know who loves Venn diagrams? School buses are yellow. Fuck. They go here. They go there. They're always yellow. Be honest with you. I, I'm kind of retarded. Vagina. So Ken Buck is doing a lot of press because even though I think they're going to kind of push Steve Scalise towards the front, he is dealing with some health issues, some serious ones. And, and has been out for quite a few weeks, if not months now. And Ken Buck might be the Band-Aid representing the CR, which is the Band-Aid on the budget of Congress right now as, as Speaker of the House. So Matt Gates emerged victorious from his motion to vacate the Speaker's gavel yesterday and met with a gaggle of the press outside of Capitol Hill. Let's hear it. And as I said in my remarks on the floor earlier today, regardless of how you feel about Ukraine money or border money, these two it. things should not be lumped together. Facts. They deserve their own mm -hmm. dignity and their own vote. And 
people are tired of seeing the ways of Washington that jam everything together in order to really frustrate actual legislators. If you succeed, there's going to be, if you succeed, McCarthy's almost certainly going to put himself up as a candidate for speaker again. And that may mean there's no one who can get 218 votes. Are you prepared to go through that possibility with no one getting 218 votes? Well, I would think that if it took Kevin McCarthy 15 rounds to become speaker, and after eight months of a failed speakership, and after a successful removal vote, as as your hypothesis would portend, oh, that like he it. would take a hint. If they, Do you have someone? I had, look, I have made no deal with Democrats because I believe that Democrats should vote against Kevin McCarthy for free. It's Kevin McCarthy who's out there offering deals to Democrats. So if there's a deal made with Democrats, the only deal is, is to make one with McCarthy, because I'm not offering anything and won't offer anything. And by the way, you, if the Democrats want to own Kevin McCarthy, they can have it. So there's that. If the Democrats want to save Kevin McCarthy, they can absolutely own him, because it seems now that everyone is pretty firmly and patly getting behind the motion. Listen, all you do is need, I think, more than five for, for this to take uh, shape here without the Democrats saving him. You had four hard ones last night. You've got Chip Roy jumping on this morning. I saw Corey Mills wasn't even on that list yesterday, and you know I, I texted him yesterday about it, and I got a thumbs up. He yeah, did, yeah. I mean, he was part of the twenty, so why wouldn't he be voting to to vacate the speaker chair? This doesn't do anything for the America First agenda. And yeah. what news organization was that that was interviewing him? That was everyone. Oh, it was it was a gaggle. But who was that guy? I have no idea. I didn't know Tickle Me Elmo worked for fucking a news a bearded man. <laughs> Good one. Last clip I've got before we're jumping in with Congressman Ralph Norman for the first time, and we're going to get his insight in this. He's a no on motion to vacate today, but we're going to sit down with him and ask him where exactly he goes from here. I've got Speaker McCarthy this morning giving a little bit of commentary on what his day probably is going to look like. Keep coming up repeatedly. It could. It seems very personal with Matt. He, it doesn't look like he's looking out for the country or the institution. I mean, I gave this quote away. You, you ought to read, um, maybe I'll, I'll give it to you later in a process with Canon. Are you ruling out any sort of power-sharing agreement with Democrats or any sort of yeah, deals look, with Democrats? That doesn't work. Look, I, I, I'm a conservative. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative one that gets things done. Um, look, I, I know we live in... Uh, our government's designed to have compromise, but look, we're in the majority. You, you don't surrender. Do you work with the other side? Yeah, and that's what I've done. I mean, from the day I came in, I've always said, I'm going to treat Hakeem the way I wanted to be treated. And I think you, you've seen that. Everything doesn't have to be mm. political. And I firmly believe when you look at history, and I, I, when I talk to the other speakers, like a Boehner or uh, Paul Ryan, mm. the first thing Two when great they would ones meet, right there. Nancy mm-hmm. Pelosi would come, Oof. and she would simply say to him, if anyone ever did that motion, we would stand with you. Not because of you and not because we agree politically, simply because of the institution needs to be able to stand on its own. Uniparty First thing confirmed. she did when she mm. became speaker was she removed that. And you know what? It gave me the power to make that motion on her. I had a lot of Republicans that wanted me to do it. I never did it. It was never going to happen, Kevin. No, we, we really don't get along. But I thought the institution was too important and I thought that was too personal. But you know, at the end of the day, Keeping government open and paying our troops was the right decision. I stand by that decision. And at the end of the day, if I have to lose my job over it, so be it. But I- We'll see. Yeah. I mean, all we could do is we'll see. 
it's been a, a rough couple weeks for America First. It's been a long session of Congress for Matt Gates as he's put his neck out there. I mean, he's butted heads with Marjorie Taylor Greene, Byron Donalds. Uh, he's argued at length with people like Chip Roy, but then has you know kind of come back to the plantation with him on it on, hmm. on issues like border security and stuff like that. And like I said, could this be just a lot of theatrics? Probably. Is this kind of business as normal up on Capitol Hill, but now with some whipped cream and a cherry on top? Most likely. But here's the deal. At what point do we say we, if fucking enough is enough? You know, right now, 20 years ago when it was $14 trillion in debt, even before the pandemic, when it was like 20 some odd trillion dollars in debt. What are we at now? 33. Jesus. And when you look at the budget deficit from the proposed budget that's eventually going to get passed, it's going to be 35 by the start of fiscal year 2025. With no end in sight, no cuts, no, you know, unregulations of Joe Biden's policies, which are just ruining everything. And essentially everything that Joe Biden wants funded is going to get funded. That is not what having a majority in the House is all about. I don't want to fund anything he wants because I don't think anything he wants is good for America. If we can't work to meet by accident, that's the truth. If we can't work to meet in the middle on this in some context, there is going to have to be some bipartisanship in this to get this debt down from where it is now and at least start to reduce the spending that we are doing as a government every year. Then we're never going to be able to work towards a plausible solution. Listen, if you think Donald Trump could come in and fix every single thing that's wrong with this government on day one, he's going to do a hell of a job, but it's not going to be something overnight. When you talk about this national debt and and the annual deficit right here, it's going to take something that it's going to take a village. Well, and it's going to be the exact same thing of during his entire presidency. It's going to be people just throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him out of spite. Mm-hmm. Like everything they did, they everything they undid that was good for America was out of spite. And that's exactly what's going to happen again. The only difference being that maybe more people are going to see it. True story. We're going to jump in right now with Congressman Ralph Norman for the first time. But before we do, let's hear from one of our partners. This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. All right, joining us next on the show today, this busy Tuesday edition of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, he's the congressman who's representing South Carolina's 5th Congressional District. Sitting down with him for the first time, really excited to be having a chat with Representative Ralph Norman. Congressman, thank you for joining us on the show. My pleasure. Well, you guys have had a busy couple weeks up on Capitol Hill. There was the battle over the budget and the pros shut down that got saved with a little bit of a Band-Aid over the weekend. And now we sit at the start of a new week and uh, you guys have some more issues coming down the pike. I know that uh, you're a no at the moment on the motion to vacate for Speaker Kevin McCarthy. But do you want to give us kind of an up to minute insight and vantage of uh, how you're looking at this thing as it develops in real time today? Well, here's what's going on. The Democrats just announced that they are not going to vote. They're going to vote to oust Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I decided earlier today that, uh, and I told Matt Gates, now is not the time. And I was very disappointed that we gave in on the CR and that and voted against it and that let them bluff uh, shutting the government down. And um, but bottom line is, if we oust Kevin McCarthy, the Democrats control us. I'm not going to let that happen. Not with my one vote. And I guess the other thing is we've got to get the 12 approach bills out to the Senate. 
And I asked the speaker today, now, are you going to leave uh, the fact that if the Democrats send us some omnibus spending bill that you're going to sit tight, and if they threaten to shut the government down, let them do it. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. But but by answer your question, I'm not going to, for those reasons, I'm not going to vote to vacate. And we don't have anybody in the wings that can get the 218. Uh, I don't want anybody cutting a deal with the de- Democrats, which they're liable to do. If you see any Democrat votes come to any Republican, something's happening, and it's not good for America. Now, when you look at this uh, in its totality, I think a lot of it stems from, you know, the budgetary failures that the the House has been able to, uh, you know, kind of serve up to the Biden administration on a silver platter. Obviously, I think Limit Save Grow was amazing. It, it died in, a, you know, there was a budget negotiations where Joe Biden got his spending. And then when you look at where we're at now, the the recess that you guys recently had is one of the big talking points on, on how we could have, you know, worked towards getting those appropriation bills done. I know there was three or four, three that passed through committee. I mean, the ag bill was killed at the very end. But then, you know, you guys are working on, on getting the other nine together and out as soon as possible. Just just in a time when, you know, giving Joe Biden legislative wins, especially at, when it comes to the purse, is definitely detrimental heading into a an election season where we're going to have a presidential primary and then general election next year. How, how important is it for the House of Representatives to not only move past this motion to vacate issue, really focus on the budget and show the Americans that even with a small majority in the House, you guys are working hard to not only reduce the, the, the annual budget deficit, but bring down the overall national debt? Well, I mean, that's the, that's the cancer in this country. And that's the reason to, as Kevin said, he, get, he surrendered on the debt deal. I mean, it just surrendered. You know, we have limit, save, grow. We had a, a cap of 1.47, uh, and he just basically surrendered and didn't negotiate. Now, he said, let's use the approach now to fix that. Well, we've got that opportunity. So in 42 days, 43 days, we'll have something to them. And if the Senate either hasn't met or sends us something back, there's some monstrosity, which we know they're going to do, then we need to shut the government down and let them own that. Now, if he gives in on that, uh, people don't realize uh, this, what we fought for in January. And I was one of the five that, that voted against him until what, what, what was it, 15 rounds. Yep. But we, we left the motion to vacate in. It's there for a reason. So let's say in 45 days, if he surrenders, if he doesn't let us, let us get our 10 year budget uh, on the floor for a vote, this will be coming up again. So, this isn't a, this isn't a catch all end all. This is just the beginning. And the good news, even though I thought the timing with Matt was wrong, the good news is this is going to be a good sign to McCarthy. It's going to be a close vote today if he keeps the speakership. Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely going to be a wake up call. And you know, for all the the stuff that he's had to incur, I'm talking about the speaker right now. A lot of it is self inflicted, and uh, you you revert back to the promises made in January and how long it took him to actually obtain the speaker gavel. And we're in the, you know, the the demographic of you, Congressman, that you know at some point it might not be today, but down the roads, especially with the finalization of appropriations, he needs to be held accountable as you know the leader of the House. So. It's good to hear that. And I do want to kind of segue a little bit and talk about some of the good works you've been doing up on Capitol Hill. Recently, we've seen that you have been fighting for a long time, but but very much to get amendments on the floor, combating and eliminating diversity, equity, inclusion throughout the government, including within the Department of Defense and the military. You want to tell our listenership a little bit about that? Because I think it's a huge social issue that we don't give enough coverage to sometimes. 
Well, first thing, and Corey and any veteran will tell you, uh, we need to put all the money we have toward building planes, ships, uh, missiles, not diversity, equity, inclusion. To have a a $520 million uh, grant uh, of taxpayers' money to implement diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's not what the, that's not what keeps the military strong. But I will tell you that we, it's been a tough sledding up here, and not just the DEI. We had one of the things we fought for in January was the Holman Rule, which is take out salaries, to put them at a dollar. We had probably 15 amendments of stripping salaries to a dollar, and our own party, over 100, pretty much killed them all, except just a few, which to me is – uh, is out of the question. I, we don't know why that happened, but it did. But bottom line is this woke ideology, the transgender surgeries that is coming out of the military budget is insanity. And so it's, it's a growing issue. And I think that we'll get more and more people on, but you know, everybody wants to talk about being conservative. Everybody wants to talk about spend cutting spending. We have the only thing Joe Biden has done is give us places we could cut. And from what he's doing to every agency, I mean, it's just from from his wokeism to his subsidized electric cars, which nobody wants, to the SEC, which is giving 500 page reports mandatory that the banks have to fill out for carbon emissions. I mean, give me a break. Uh, This country can't afford it. And it's a uh, it's insanity, but we're fighting it. Yeah, I know you make a lot of sense there. And, you know, we know from talking to so many people who work within federal agencies, uh, former secretaries and and directors of agencies as well from the past administration on the show, uh, cabinet level officials who come through here. You know, you see these agencies and how they've changed over the last nearly three years. No money has gone into things like securing our border or bolstering our military. However, there are new offices of diversity, equity, inclusion popping up all within the agencies where they're bringing people outside of the federal government who come from the private sector to come in and make decisions that are critical to our national security and defense. So it's awesome to see you standing up for that on Capitol Hill. People like uh, Congressman Mills, who's a great guest on the show all the time. He mentioned him as well. I know Eli Crane has spoken out about it at, at length when he comes on the show. So is Wesley Hunt. So, Great to see you fighting that and uh, kind of rolls right into the last thing I want to talk about. Some of the consequences of these hires, of these, you know, budgets that are absolutely out of control. It's the disaster down on the U.S. southern border. It's ramped up lately with a lot of the agencies, ICE, CBP, and Border Patrol reporting that they've got more bodies in custody and are, you know, incurring more encounters than ever before. Moving through these appropriation seasons, Congressman, we have to be able to not only just fund the people who are working down there and have been absolutely decimated by Joe Biden's border crisis, but the the consequences of letting all of these people in and the amount of getaways. You know, you want to talk about national security and stuff like that. If you just look at the amount of people who were incurred on the international terror watch list in just the last year, you can only imagine with uh, around a million gotaways how many more people are entering the country that we know absolutely nothing about. Well, it's a it's an invasion. This is purposeful. This administration is doing it for power. I've been to the border. I saw them getting on the airplane before we got on. I saw the cardboard boxes with a number that uh, you know was a contact number. And when we took a picture of it, they threatened to take our phones. And it's insanity. And what they're doing is, as they're doing in New York, giving them license. Uh, driver's licenses and social security numbers to vote. And so, 
you know, we've, you know, we had some legislation up that didn't pass, but Chip Roy has done a good job of drafting strict language that would make this administration let the Border Patrol agents do their job, that would build, take the, the steel that's on the ground, that's rusting, that's paid for, uh, get it built. And I will tell you, the only the only thing we can do is slow it down. We've got more than uh, South Carolina has got a 5.2 million uh, population. We've got way more than South Carolina all over this country. Right. And, you know, it's it's um, it's a crisis and it's, it's being done uh, unlawfully. And that's another reason to impeach this president. But again, that's a whole new subject. Now, last thing I'm going to ask you, Congressman, the fallout from the, just the early stages of the Joe Biden impeachment inquiry committee that went off the other day. A lot of grandstanding from some of your Democrat counterparts, as expected. You know, they're going to say there's no there there until Jamie Comer and Jim Jordan and Jason Smith continue to produce receipts. But the fact of the matter is this investigation is something that needs to be taken very seriously. And it's, it is a serious matter to the United States. Uh, you know, when you look at the fact that Joe Biden may have been using his office for pay for play as far back as when he was a senator, but definitely it looks like during his time as vice president and while he was running for president of the United States. How critical is it for for Comer, Jordan and Smith to get through this committee and, and produce the receipts for the American people to see so that you guys can make an open and honest decision on whether Joe Biden is allowed to keep his job? Well, it's interesting. Uh, all they're doing in impeachment inquiry is gathering more facts. I mean, all they're doing is, is is having the power to subpoena more people and get them in and find out. I mean, look look at what's already there. Twenty million in counting that came from China uh, that they don't know if they pay taxes on. Uh, suspicious activity reports, which the Treasury doesn't issue that on a whim. One hundred fifty two of them. I mean, what this guy has done is obvious. He is sold out to China, and it's perfectly it's, it's hypocritical for any Democrat uh, to say that it's it ought to end. I, I guarantee, if they had Trump as their last name, uh, the evidence they've got now on Biden. I mean, my God, if it were Trump with just a, a fraction of what they found on Biden, they'd be all over that. Uh, but as you see, they know no bounds. They'll pull a fire alarm to stop things. They'll uh, <laughs> whatever they need to do to keep power, and we got to stop it. Oh, Jamal Bowman's never going to live that one down. Congressman, this was awesome sitting down with you today for the first time. We are hoping at some point in the future you'll be able to come back and join us. We're going to live link your congressional website in the show description today. But for anyone that's not following you and wants to check you out, where else can they see you? RepRalphNorman.com. Absolutely fantastic. He represents South Carolina's 5th Congressional District. He was providing a lot of great commentary and insight today on the Steak for Breakfast podcast. This is Congressman Ralph Norman. Thanks for joining us on the show. My pleasure. Thank you. Does anybody think he's going to make it to the starting gate? I mean, the guy can't find his way off of a stage. Look, here's a stage. Here's a stage. I've never seen this stupid stage before, right? I've never seen it. But if I walk left, there's a stair. And if I walk right, there's a stair. And this guy gets up. Where am I? This lunatic is going to destroy. He's going to go all electric. Think about all electric. And I have no problem with electric. You should be able to buy an electric car. You should buy a gas-fired uh, car. You should buy a hybrid. You should buy whatever the hell you want. I mean, some people like electric. 
If you want to drive for 14 minutes to the candy store, electric is very good. But if you actually want to get into a car and drive for a few hours, if you're in a boat and you're sitting on top of a battery and the boat starts to sink, do you get electrocuted? Let's say the boat is going down and you have a choice. You got a shark that's 10. You got a shark that's 10 yards away. Or you can go down with the damn boat and get electrocuted. Honestly, you know what I take? I'm taking the boat every single time. And then you have, of course, my favorite, Shifty Adam Schiff, Pencil Neck. He's known for one thing, the world's smallest neck. I call him Pencil. If you touched him, his neck would break. But when they indicted me, and then again and again and again, I was never indicted. Now I'm setting records. Al Capone was not indicted so much. Alphonse Capone. If you looked at Al Capone in the wrong way, he'd kill you. He was not indicted like me. I was never indicted. I didn't know. When they taught me at the Wharton School of Finance, they didn't talk about indictment. It's, no, it's a disgrace what's happening. They've weaponized elections. They've done everything. All right, jumping back into the news portion of the show now. Listen, as you could tell from the uh, montage to get things kicked off here, President Trump was in peak form <laughs> yeah. while out here in California uh, last weekend. And uh, he's had a busy runaround lately. Yeah. And just not stopping. And it seems like he's provided us with some of his best uh, speaking events over the course of the last just two weeks. I thought from what was a, a historic event to the auto workers in Michigan on Wednesday was getting close to peak Trump. And then he comes to California. Greatest hits of everybody. Dude, Noah, he was shitting on Nancy Pelosi's husband, talk, <laughs> talking about the uh, little gay rendezvous he had with that one guy with the hammer. And then, you know, Maxine Waters. Donald, I forgot about hammer time. Mm, Maxine Waters, how, well, first of all, he called her just a lovely, lovely girl. You all know she looks like the witch from the Dark Crystal. <laughs> and the fact that, you know, if Donald Trump had said just a tenth of the things that she's spewed out of her mouth over the course of his term in office about getting Republicans in restaurants and confronting them at gas stations and stuff, he'd likely be in prison. And then when you just talk about the totality of the indictments, unfortunately, there's a lot of legal stuff going on with President Trump, but we're going to try and give you a little bit as much of insight as we can heading into uh, the middle portion of our show now. So he was out in California and definitely taking shots at Gavin Newsom, who is positioning himself Ever so slightly. Isn't it just funny how Gavin Newsom's running the Ron DeSantis-like book tour where he's not running for president right now? I feel like we talked about this last time. Mm -hmm. He's appearing on all these shows. He's uh, doing a lot of one-on-one interviews. Definitely not running for president. Definitely trying to rewrite history when it comes to the pandemic. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's just one of those things that you have to take a look at it. And remember, Ron DeSantis was, like, adamantly and... He was very confrontational with reporters about him running for president until, like, one day he just woke up and said, yeah, I'm running for president, and then proceeded to have that failure of launch on Elon Musk's Twitter at the time. Oof. Good job. Don DeSantis. Mm. Don (laughs) DeMeatball. Ron DeSingle Digits. We'll get to polls a little bit later in the show. But Donald Trump's going to give uh, and land a couple body blows on Gavin Newsom any chance he gets. The guy's an absolute psychopath. He's a compulsive liar and his radical policies. Oh, let's get into the Before we get into Donald Trump hitting Gavin Newsom, did you hear about our new U.S. Senator, Noah? 
No, what do we got? Current Maryland resident mm-hmm. and oh, Mar- wait. Yeah. Maryland registered voter. Since when? LaFonza Butler. LaFonza? Mm-hmm. Not not like Alphonse Capone, as Donald Trump just alluded to, LaFonza Butler. Wasn't that the name of the girl from Napoleon Dynamite? She looks like her. <laughs> She's also the president of the largest pro-abortion super PAC in the country. I'm just really upset she hasn't sent me a full body pic yet. <laughs> and, she, and she's been a registered resident of uh, Maryland and a registered voter in Maryland for the last five years. She's now our senator from California, if that makes sense. So there's that. You can only imagine that that newest diversity, equity, and inclusion addition to our U.S. Senate is only going to help things. Uh, She kind of is like our newest Supreme Court Justice, Katanji Brown-Jackson, just less retarded. Oh, Katanji. Mm-hmm. I got nothing. So many sexes besides men and women. I mean. Couldn't tell you what a gal is. How dare me. Not a biologist. It's ma'am. Let's hear President Trump smashing on Gavin Newsom. Gavin Newsom and the far-left communists in Sacramento. He did a great job as mayor of San Francisco, didn't he? (laughs) But the far-left communists in Sacramento, San Francisco, and L.A., cities which are absolutely being destroyed rapidly on a daily basis, have given you sanctuary cities, wide-open borders, Mass homeless encampments, out-of-control taxes, soaring income, inequality like nobody's ever seen before, Marxist district attorneys, woke tech tyrants, they are woke, rolling blackouts, child sexual mutilation, and roving bands of looters, criminals, and thugs. But other than that, I think they're doing quite a good job. (laughs) Those things are all true. What a mess. How the hell do people vote for these people? (laughs) You, the courageous patriots of California, Republican Party, are now the last line of defense standing between this state and total anarchy. And I am here to tell you that help is on its way. Help is on its way. Can't go on like this. Can't go on like this. We can't. Really good. A depiction of California there. Roving bands of looters, radical DAs, homeless encampments. Yeah. Wage inequality, record high taxes, impossible to own a home. The roving bands of looters thing is is getting worse, apparently, too. Like, the home invasions and all the other stuff, you're you're hearing about that much more now. Yeah. Because, well, why wouldn't you? It's funny. He made a joke about the $6 gas, too, and said he'd use it at speaking events across the country. But then he got to L.A. He was in Huntington Beach for the California GOP uh, biannual retreat luncheon where he was speaking. And he said he actually passed a couple gas stations where it was over $7 already. So Hmm. he said he's going to have to change up the uh, numbers he's using accurately before the fake news starts saying that he's lying about the gas prices in California. (laughs) They're higher than 6 bucks now. Yeesh. Here's the thing. Donald Trump, uh, you know, would continue on through this. And one of the issues that he has with crime is that it seems like now the, the American public just can't fight back. You know, if you stop somebody from committing a crime, you're probably going to get prosecuted before they do. Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, in a future Trump administration, 
I'm not saying that he's going to be giving people the authority to serve street justice, but he definitely alluded to it. I don't know if you heard this one. No, you're going to like this. We will immediately stop all of the pillaging and theft. Very simply, if you rob a store, you can fully expect to be shot as you are leaving that store. Wow. Shot. And everything will immediately stop. You won't have any more of that. The word that they shoot you will get out within minutes, and our nation, in one day, will be an entirely different place. There must be retribution for theft and destruction and the ruination of our country. Mm. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I don't want to upset any of our listenership. But my nipples are hard. <laughs> You're a nasty person. Listen, when you talk about doling out street justice for someone that's running out of the store with an armful of, uh, I don't know, Gucci jackets. Not bread? Mm. No, they're shoplifting bread because they're hungry. Listen, every time there's like a mass looting, <laughs> people always tag AOC on Twitter and say, look at all the bread that these people are stealing. Why can't we help them? And it's guys running out of the store with televisions. It must just be painful to be some of these people. Like when you get your, like when you get your bullshit called by the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. And uh, the elitists just don't care. Doesn't no. affect them. Yeah, why would they care? It affected Henry Quaylar yesterday, I tell you that much. I mean, ouch. Good for him. Yeah. Me personally, and, I, and I've heard he's a good guy. I, I kind of wish he would have got pistol whipped a couple times just to make it like yeah, make it more, an aggravated yeah. Grand Theft Auto. What if he came back and said that he actually had a carload of bread? Getting ready to pass out to the homeless people? And that's what happened. Mm. It was all the bread. Well, not homeless, the financially challenged the unhoused. You know, it was funny. We were watching the story break on the news last night, and my son turned and looked at me. He's sitting next to me on the couch, and he's watching the news a little bit more, and he's like, Grand Theft Auto is real? <laughs> I, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, it's a real thing? I was like, did you think it was just a video game? And he's like, well, yeah, I don't know laws. And I said, well, what do you think Grand Theft Auto is? And he's like, I don't know. You walk Name up to a video a, game? <laughs> you walk up to a car and beat somebody and take their car? I said, bingo. And he's like, that happened to him? I was like, well, I don't know if he got beaten up, but he definitely got his car stolen. I mean, you can get Grand Theft Auto just for stealing a car, yeah. whether there's somebody around or not. But, you know, if you want to be like Grand Theft Auto, you beat up a hooker on your way to robbing somebody for their car. Yeah, you ever wanted to hear what the uh, five kids playing that online at the same time, all on speakerphone with their, with their squeaky, prepossessant voices? <laughs> it's a thing of glory to listen to. Much like how we're nearing peak Trump right now. And I'm not even joking. You'll like this one, Noah. This one's extra spicy. But if you become president and you don't like somebody or if somebody's beating you by 10, 15, or 20 points like we're doing with crooked Joe Biden, let's indict the motherfucker. Let's indict. Oh, wow. And here's the thing. (laughs) It's the realness of going off the teleprompter and being able to just comfortably have words like motherfucker roll off the tongue that Donald Trump can do. I mean, that word just does roll off the tongue, motherfucker. Yeah. 
But I mean, you know, we don't see it from our politicians and our elected officials enough. And, and what you, saying motherfucker, just swearing in general, saying yeah. curse words. And the fact of the matter is, is that it, it, it's another element to Donald Trump that gives him that realness, that touchableness that basically all the other ones lack, you know, uh, Donald Trump was in Iowa. We'll check that out in just a little bit over the weekend. He, he didn't have to put on a sweater vest. He didn't have to put on boots. He wore his red, white, and blue, you know, $10,000 suit and loafers and went out to some farms and signed some tractors because nice. that's who he is. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump has promised a lot of things as part of Agenda 47, and he's not forgetting about California as he wrapped his speaking event there to a packed house. And I just have to say, Donald Trump, for this event, the luncheon portion, catered to a sold-out standing room only with overflow crowd in the grand ballroom. They did have a speaking event at night for Meatball, Ron DeSantis. Oh, Meatball. DeSantis, who spoke in the small room, and it was not sold out. Much mm. like the reflectiveness of the poll numbers. Neesh. Let's hear Donald Trump as he raps right here, promising not to forget about and even saving California in the future. You are going to save your state. The great silent majority is rising like never before. And under our leadership, the forgotten men and women will be forgotten no longer. With your help, your love, and your vote, we will put America first, and we will make America great again. Thank you, California. God bless you all. God bless America. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to get a little bit of that crowd reaction in there. Oh, because yeah. You know they started cheering extra hard when he started doing a little dance. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you knew this one either, Noah, but he proceeded to get into his motorcade mm -hmm. and take it on over to the only Carvel left in Southern California. Nice. And proceeded to pass out ice cream cones, and he got a couple custom cakes that had the Trump logo on it, handmade to make America great again, which is the goal here. Which we're seeing the process play out on Capitol Hill today, which we're seeing unfold in real time and faster than probably ever at any point in our republic right now. And it just goes to the fact to show that where Donald Trump has impressed a lot of people outside of the base in some of his recent speaking events, it was speaking events like the one he provided for us in California on Friday that really just go over to the top. He hit policy. He hit national. He hit in-state. He hit everybody's nickname. <laughs> he didn't forget Nancy Pelosi's husband either. And then he brought it home saying with like, listen, even though you live in the most radical progressive state in the union, we're not going to forget about you. Eventually you'll be able to shoot looters. And at the end of the day, all I want to do is make America great again. So it was good to see that. Make looting dangerous again. Should be. It certainly should be. We're going to continue to track President Trump as he's in a Manhattan courthouse today. We'll touch on that a little bit in our third news portion of the show. We're getting ready to jump in with former Ambassador Carlos Sands. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. I think it's time we had a conversation about a good night's sleep. The pillow King of Minnesota, Mike Lindell, and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family has been cranking out savings down at MyPillow for over 20 years. 
And for the first time in 20 years, they've changed the long-standing MyPillow and now have the MyPillow version 2.0. You enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you're going to get buy one, get one free. In addition to that, they've got great savings on all things like MyPillow dog beds, the Air Lindell version 1 and 2, My Slippers, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. When you need a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 25% off your order or 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. All right, joining us next on the show today, she's the vice chair at the Center for Energy and Environment at the America First Policy Institute. She's also the former ambassador to Denmark, great friend of the show, Ambassador Carlos Sanz. Thanks for coming back on with us today. Hey, I'm so glad to talk to you guys and all of your listeners. Oh, I'm sure they're really excited to hear you. We always get great feedback when you come on, and they're going to be really excited to hear you tell us a little bit about uh, some of the events you recently attended. I saw from one of your social medias you attended one of Trump, Donald Trump's California events that happened over the weekend. Can you give us a little insight on that? Yeah, sure. I was actually with him twice, and we talked about a lot of things. Um, he's very worried about election integrity. I just had lunch with, uh, someone who's, who's run it down and he's not a wing nut. And he said, absolutely. We have to be on it. I said, okay, you've got all the receipts now. What's the solution? So before we talk more, we have to have the solution, right? But I will just say right off the top, if you're a listener and you care about winning in 2024, go to precinctstrategy.com, sign up to be a precinct committee man, volunteer to be a poll watcher or a poll worker, give up a little time. It's going to help us secure the election. I'll also say, if you're willing, run for a row office. It's not usually a full-time job. You're going to help to secure your community, your, you know, your county and your state. Run for the row offices, run for um, your county um, leader, for your GOP leader, if you're a Republican. And we cannot give up. We cannot surrender. We have to actually always be on the offense. So wherever you can make a difference, whether it's emailing friends or on social media or talking to people at work or at your church, at, at a gun show, that it's so important that you vote and you vote early, whether you want to walk your vote into your polling place or you want to mail it in. I don't care. I don't trust what's going to happen at the polling places on Election Day. We saw what happened in Maricopa County to uh, Cary Lake. Get your vote in early and that's and, and get your friends votes in early. That's so that's my my pitch. So he, both California to the California GOP and to both events that I attended, the public part of it where he gave the speeches, the private conversations I had with him, this man is firing on all cylinders and he is like a war dog. They are coming at him with both barrels blazing. He's in court today and yesterday in New York. They're trying to take him out in Florida, in Georgia, trying to take him off the ballot. This man is under attack from not just Democrats, from some Republicans, too. We know it. And we have to get behind him. I think the primary is over. And why do I say that? He's our candidate. I mean, he's up 50 uh, in most polls over all the other candidates, sometimes 60. And he's statistically beating Joe Biden in the polls, which he never did in 2020. He is now beating Joe Biden in those polls. But what really matters right now is Iowa and what's going on in Iowa. So his the policies we know we all were thriving. We all had more money in our pocket. 
Our kids were not being groomed in school. He actually banned all that ESG and DEI, that diversity, equity, inclusion stuff that is actually racism that causes division in our country. Mm -hmm. They banned it in the federal government. They banned it in the State Department. They came to me every month. My deputy would come to me at my embassy and say, Madam Ambassador, the team wants to have a meeting and they want to talk about equality and equity and inclusion. And I would look at him and say, as long as I'm the U.S. ambassador in this embassy, we will have no Marxist struggle sessions. Listen, we, we talked with uh, Congressman Norman today and, you know, he, he's fought for some amendments on the House floor to remove diversity, equity, inclusion and, and some of that really absolute racist and Marxist stuff that you just mentioned from facets of the U.S. government, including at the DOD and in the U.S. military. And it, it's ruining our country. And, and it's one of the things that Democrats right now are kind of, you know, trying to spread everywhere because it causes a distraction. But when you look at the long term results and, and people have to actually put their energy towards it to combat it, it, it is definitely something that we're glad that you stood up for when you were the ambassador and, and something that we're looking forward to Donald Trump again fighting once he retakes the Oval Office again next year, which is where I want to pivot to. So Speaking of pivots, Donald Trump has definitely taken a pivot in his speeches recently towards the general election and has focused a lot of his attacks on Joe Biden, you know, deservedly so. His radical job-killing environment, mafia catering to, you know, wages-ruining, open-border, failed geopolitical regime right now has put this country in an awful spot. I think a microcosm of that is what's going up, up on Capitol Hill today. We'll talk about that in a bit. But when you see Donald Trump making a, a hard turn towards the general election and focusing in on Joe Biden. Number one, how smart of a move is that? We think it's a great one here on the show. And number two, how much should we really start urging these other candidates and that we call it the fake primary, the primary under Donald Trump, like 40, 50, 60 points back time to start yeah. packing it in and, and, and putting their support behind the 45th president as he's trying to become the 47th. Yeah, I, I think you're a hundred percent right about that. They have got to get behind uh, president Trump and help him win this thing and stop, you know, disposing of donor dollars. There are only so many donor dollars to go around, especially on the Republican side. The Democrats have these billions flowing. A lot of times it's our taxpayer money that's actually helping to fund these Democrat, uh, you know, outside organizations. Look at the unions, for instance. But um, if you look at what President Trump is saying, for instance, on a big issue for probably a lot of your listeners, the open border and the invasion that's happening in our country, and the fact that there have been thousands of military-aged Chinese males coming into our country, for instance, and that's besides ISIS, and that's besides the gang members that have gotten away, these Chinese males, and they're hiding their faces. I watch the video feeds. They're turning their faces. They're wearing hats. They're wearing masks. They're hiding their identities. They're not waving like some of those Venezuelan guys, you know, hey there, Venezuela. <laughs> no. They're turning around and hiding who they are. Yep. Okay. This is a threat to our sovereignty. Are they an inside cell right inside our country, ready to be uh, you know, deployed, set off at the command of Xi or one of his generals? Do I believe so? 100%. I do believe so. I believe that Joe Biden is inviting an, a threat from inside our nation. And he's doing it with this open borders. He's complicit. We've seen the corruption, right? The alleged corruption where we have the bank records and we have him changing policy because he's being paid by Ukraine, the Burisma money that's gone to the, the family, the China money that's gone, the Russia. So do I think there's going to be an impeachment? 
Well, I'm look, watching some very weak Republicans. And can I just say, can some stone cold killers please run for Congress and right. Senate on the Republican side? You look at Nancy Pelosi. You look at Chuck Schumer. Do they get, okay, excuse me. I don't know if I can use this word. Do they get shit done or what? <laughs> no. you're, you're... The Republicans, they're just going along. Oh, my donor wants this or yep. that. Okay, so I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to. Do I think he's going to be impeached and put in jail where he belongs, Joe Biden? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure anything's going to happen. Do I think Mayorkas and uh, and the attorney general are going to be impeached for the illegal things that they've done? I don't I'm not so sure. So I'm I'm um, I think we need to recruit some stone cold killers that are going to get stuff done on behalf of the people. I think the people are at a boiling point. They've had it up to here. And I'm pointing at my neck. And I think that they're ready for change. And so what I think is um, I'm losing faith in leadership in the House. I see what's happening where they're trying to remove um, Speaker McCarthy. He's a good man. But is he actually a killer? Is he a Nancy Pelosi dude? Uh, I'm not seeing it, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, he's even made commentary as early this morning saying like, Oh, you know, do I really like Nancy Pelosi? Not really, but did I have to get along with her? Okay, that's not the kind of leadership I want from the House Republicans. And that's the thing I wanted to ask you, Ambassador. You know, the margin of power in the House is so slim to the Republican side. I believe we we actually have two congressmen out right now. I mean, Steve Skleet is going through his health stuff. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just like this may not be the most prudent time to activate the motion to vacate but the fact of the matter is is that we've had eight months to kind of hold joe biden and his radical spending accountable and it seems like kevin mccarthy has just kind of gone with the motions knowing that this day would come knowing that he would set up another january type situation if he would just throw his name back in the ring if if he was to get motion to vacate it again and then when you look at the alternatives of the people who could potentially take over the speaker of the house there's nobody there that's America first that's going to get voted in in this Congress due to the slim margin of power that Republicans have. So, I mean, it, it seems like getting to the ballot box next year and voting in America first to House representatives who are going to, you know, widen the margin of power in the House is, is pretty much the only way that we're ever going to get somebody in there that's going to be able to work with a president like President Trump. Yeah, but here's the thing. They do have the majority why are we not funding border security and jamming up Mayorkas? Why are we sending a penny more to Ukraine? I hear he has a secret deal on the side. Yep. Shame on him. This is not right. While all this stuff is going on in our country and Europe's not paying for Europe's war. And then lastly, the Green New Deal stuff, mm. all that corruption stuffed into those multi-trillion dollar deals that got passed. Why are we funding that when they can do line items and pull that stuff out? These yep. EVs, pull it out and jam. Let them defend what they're doing on the on the left in the left Senate. And and I cannot believe that our senators are so they're Democrat light. And we better get some we better get some killer Republicans in where our country is going to go down, even if we have Republican majorities. And I don't think we win if we don't jam this. Forty nine senators, and only nine of them stood up to uh, vote yeah. against Ukraine funding and to in turn fund the border. It's a, a lot of the issues that we're having right now are, are self-inflicted. But at the, at the end of the day, you know, we do have the opportunity in the next 13, 14 months to make real changes for this country. But in the meantime, 
you know, you got to give credit where credit is due that the dozen or so House representatives and, like I said, nine senators out of 49 who are holding the line up there and saying, like, enough is enough. You know, the, this country has to start making steps forward and stop taking steps back. It's it's killing everything from the value of the dollar to wages, jobs, uh, our national defense and posture amongst the world, and then our sovereignty when it comes to the border. I mean, you had Henry Quaylar get carjacked at gunpoint last night a block away from the Capitol. That is wild. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it is so wild. So Henry Quaylar is a good man. He's actually what the Democrat Party used to be. He's pretty pro-life. He actually, when I was ambassador in Denmark, he came to my uh, my residence and I had the whole CODEL. He was part of a CODEL. It was a bipartisan group. He came. I, I did a dinner for them. Uh, we spent some time talking. He brought his daughter on that CODEL. He's a, he's a good man. And he's more Democrats should be like this man to see him be carjacked. Um, that city is out of control. I mean, I don't feel safe when I'm in Washington, D.C. And and that is a terrible thing. And that city should be safe, like our big cities were under, for instance, New York under Rudy Giuliani. Yes. Most cities were going in a good direction under President Trump until we had the Antifa and Black Lives Matter riots. In 2020, they were trending well because he was a law and order president and people want to be safe in their communities. When President Trump is reelected, if your listeners will work hard, call their congressmen if they like what they're doing, call them if they don't and let their offices know they need feedback. And you can find that number, right? If you just Google the person's name, it's a switchboard in Washington, D.C. in regular East Coast office hours. But uh, we need law and order. We need the secure border. We need to stop funding that Ukrainian war and build up our military to be prepared for threats that will come, I think, during Biden's administration. Because unfortunately, I think China's eyeing his weakness and thinking this is a pretty good window. And for instance, our um, DOD has said that defense companies and the even CEO of one of those major defense companies have said they're still making components in communist China, meaning if they are trying to make stuff during a conflict, a hot war, we're not going to get those components. Mm. And, 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 you know, when you look at it, Joe Biden's, you know, his entire presidency is just embodied weakness. And now you see just today a house that's divided and even divided more so where you have so much Republican infighting with the motion to vacate. You got to think our geopolitical foes are looking at this and just licking their chops. You know, everyone from Iran and North Korea to uh, obviously China and Russia, which are the big dogs right now and controlling everything behind the scenes. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. And we'll have to see how today shakes out. And the good part about it is we'll have something to talk about next time the ambassadors on the show. Carla, we're going to actually live link the America First Policy Institute and the voter registration stuff you talked about at the top of the segment in the show description today. But for anyone that's not following on social media, definitely wants to check out all the great stuff that you're doing. Where can they find you? Oh, I have a website, CarlaSands.com. I'm on Twitter. That's where I'm hottest. Uh, Twitter at Carla H. Sands. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Carla Sands. And, um, and just follow me. Let's get this done. But let's, you know, every patriot just needs to be absolutely focused on 2023. There are elections in each state and then 2024 for the presidential. Sure. I mean, it's primary season right now, in addition to all those elections that are coming up in places like Kentucky, et cetera. And we'll be looking to uh, discuss that further next time you're on the show. This is the vice chair at the Center for Energy and Environment at the America First Policy Institute, also the former ambassador to Denmark and great friend of the show here. Ambassador Carl Sands, thanks for joining us today. 
Hey, great to talk to you guys. Take care. With, with love for our country, with love for our country, not love for other people in other countries. But the Sanctus is... You know, it's great. You talk about branding. Branding is a great thing. You brand somebody. So it's the sanctimonious. I've never said this. It's the sanctimonious. But you can't keep using it. It's too long. But it's a beautiful term. It, you know, the sanctimonious, it flows. But you sort of can use it once every two or three paragraphs, right, Brad? Wherever the hell, Brad, my Brad. Where the hell is that guy? He's the greatest. But he was there right from, I think he's the first person that endorsed me in the whole country. The whole country. So I happen to love him. See, I'm very loyal to people like that, you know? But think of it. So it's the sanctimonious. But the abbreviation is the sanctus. If you put the two words together, put the sanctus underneath, it's a beautiful thing. There's actually a certain genius to it. So he's being interviewed by one of the networks on a straight interview. Ladies and gentlemen, we're pleased to have Governor Ron DeSanctis with us today. Thank you very much, Governor DeSanctis. It's DeSantis. But he actually changed his name, right? He went DeSantis, right? He doesn't want DeSantis. He wants DeSantis. And I left him a message. Never change your name in the middle of a campaign. Do you agree with that? Oof. Never change your name, Senator, in the middle of a campaign. Anyway, but he's, uh, looks like he's toast. I never say that about anything. You know, I can say, I, I'd go into a deal in business, and they're waiting for me to sign. Everything's done 100%. And I'm walking into the conference room ready to sign. I say, what are my chances of getting it done? So I say, what are your chances of getting it? Now, all they need is my signature. I'd say 50-50. So I never take anything for granted. He is so gone, this guy. <laughs> and he should be gone because he did the wrong things. And he's young. He could have run in 28. I think his career in 28 is finished, too, because he's not a talented person. But he could have run in 28. They say walked in. You don't walk into any. This is you need great talent for this stuff. You don't walk in. You think somebody's going to walk in and they always get clobbered, right? Yeah. There's President Trump laying it out for everybody in Iowa yesterday. Did somebody accidentally call him DeSanctus for real, or is he just making an example? You know, I think it's uh, going off of some of those viral videos where people are calling him DeSanctus or uh, Rob <laughs> and saying, I really didn't know his name. <laughs> I just like the fact DeSanctimonious, it flows off the tongue. Yeah, it does. And, you know, it's He's not wrong. It does have a certain sort of genius, if I don't say so myself. We have been talking about it a lot lately, especially because we had to cover part of the 2024 GOP primary debate volume two the other day. Me. And there is a threshold. Of shit that I can deal with? For which thou must cross <laughs> to be eligible to be nominated for the president of the United States. You got to be talented. Listen, here's the deal. This has only happened twice in, in American history, Noah. What? You know, what, what's going on with Donald Trump in this oh, primary yeah. right now? You had Grover Cleveland win the presidency, wasn't reelected in what he considered a rigged and stolen election, ran for and became Speaker of the House, mm -hmm. vacated his seat to run for reelection following that, and then became president again. Nice. Mm -hmm. Wait, so Trump's going to be Speaker of the House? <laughs> it's, it's great that you mentioned that because I do want to give our listenership. Listen, by the time you listen to this show, there's probably going to be Unless they continue to get into the vote-a-thon, which it kind of looks like now. But the motion to table has been defeated. Mm. So we are going to get a vote on Speaker of the House and the motion to vacate. Um, so it could actually happen. Yeah. Tom Massey's a fucking clown out there defending Paul, or Paul McCarthy. Paul McCartney? <laughs> out there defending Kevin McCarthy left and right. Matt Gates, you know, is stumping on the floor hard. You've got Jim Jordan, who 
only has any interest in being the judiciary chair because he wants that on his resume. He wants something to be done in regarding these investigations into Joe Biden and the weaponization of government, but he's out there defending Kevin McCarthy. I don't know. It, it's just, it, it's an absolute disaster. Up to the minute stats, though, on, on the actual motion to vacate. It's in the, almost the one o'clock hour on the West Coast here when we're recording our show. House Republicans expected to have 219 votes. House Democrats expected to have 208. That would be 214 to remove McCarthy. So McCarthy can only lose five votes. Biggs, Gates, Good, Crane, all steak for breakfast enjoyers, Mm -hmm. Rosendale, and Burchette have said they will vote against McCarthy. That's six right there before we even get to the floor vote. Oof. Buck, Mace, Mills, Sparts, couple steak for breakfast enjoyers in there as well. And Davidson have all voted against tabling, which means they want the vote to get to the floor, so they're on the fence. What does it mean in between the numbers? Kevin McCarthy's in deep shit. And, uh, you know, you've seen some grandstanding. Listen, there's going to be people in America first who are 100% with President Trump who vote no on anything that hurts or provides a boost to Joe Biden who are going to vote no on getting Kevin McCarthy out of there. That's going to be Jim Jordan. It looks like Mike Collins, who's going to be on the show a week from today, uh, et cetera. And listen, it's like Congressman Norman said when we had him on the show for the first time earlier, if Kevin McCarthy survives this and doesn't get the appropriations bills done, like he has said and has had almost nine months to do right now, that we've got to see our Band-Aid on our, on our federal government's budget again. I just don't understand why it takes so long to get this shit done, he's unless you're not doing it. He's 100% in, because it's like all of the congressmen in America First who have come on our show recently, Noah, have said, they set up the congressional co- calendar, they know when they have to get stuff done by, they pin breaks to right before the votes happen, so nobody works, and then they come back and they're like, oh, you got to do this, that, and the other thing, so here it is, it's an omnibus, oh, it's another continuing resolution, Just just vote for it and we'll fix it the next time. Every single mm-hmm. fucking year. Yeah. And, you know, we've ran into the fact of the matter is that we've got three appropriation bills done now. One that's like hanging by a thread. That's the ag bill. And the only reason that these three appropriation bills are done and that we're probably going to have four done by the end of the week is one reason and one reason only Matt Gates. Yeah. And here's the thing. No, and I don't agree with Matt Gates on everything. He's weird on climate change. He's for more widespread legalization of marijuana. Um, you know, and, and when Matt Gates has things in his future outside of his congressional district that he wants to, like, look into, maybe a, a statewide running for senator or running for governor at some point in the future, he's going to have to meet the moderates in the middle on some of those issues. Mm-hmm. What are you going to say, Noah? Oh, I really don't give a shit about marijuana, to be honest. Right. But, I mean, like, when it comes to America First, that's not something that you usually see. It's not something we're hanging our hat on. Yeah, far-right conservative House reps and senators kind of stumping on. Yeah, no. But here's the thing. If not when now, if not why, then because what? It's just we've we've reached a juncture that... I think I saw that on a bumper sticker. Thanks. Did it say, uh, Corn Pop's a bad <laughs> dude, vote Joe Biden? Where's the fucking exit of this stage? Oops, I fell. Yeah. We have to be able to take into consideration that you know, we're living in such a crazy time that this has to happen. 
and whether or not something has to happen, it's all for theater, whether or not it doesn't go anywhere, whether or not we get another empty suit speaker of the house that's willing to work with the other side and who's ever sitting in the Oval Office faster than he is with the people who he has power with in the House of Representatives, then so be it. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, you, you also have to remember a lot of people are trying to promote people like uh, Steve Scalise. Steve Scalise has cancer and he's going through cancer treatment. You know, that's been confirmed. Everybody says he's going through health issues, but that's what it is. And uh, even though he's not my favorite Republican and, you know, he's part of leadership, so he's part of the good old boys and probably wouldn't work with America first on everything. He'd be a likely alternative. That's why I kind of fall into the demographic of maybe it's Ken Buck, who, again, it's weird. You you get these Republicans out there. Ken Buck is 100% doesn't give a shit about the Joe Biden impeachment inquiry, but therefore in the same breath is willing to motion to vacate the Speaker of the House of Representatives because he hasn't done his job and held his promise. We're dealing with just weird shit right now. Yeah. And, you know, when Donald Trump's out there on the road stumping hard and hitting people like Ron DeSantis, it should want you guys to pressure these other candidates more. Here's another one. I got to give credit to Laura Loomer. So I think on the 13th, there's going to be a fundraiser, you know, big donors in Texas, and Ron DeSantis is going to be there. So is former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, and they're going to try and push them together as part of a ticket to run against Donald Trump and whoever he eventually selects to be his vice president. How does that make you feel? No, I see you. you your eyebrows look kind of, uh, they're in mad mode I'm right now. furrowing them. Hmm. Furrowy. But you have to remember, Nikki Haley wants to go to war with everybody. Mm-hmm. And and she's also gotten to the place that she's in right now. She's a former governor and ambassador to the United Nations uh, because she's a woman working in a man's world. It's a man's world. And, and Ron DeSanctis. DeSanctis. Mmm, hungry. Mmm. <laughs> so much sugar. How much myocarditis is in that? Mm. Election interference is going to play key into anything. As you saw, the judge in the Manhattan civil case against Donald Trump based off of the taxes and property values of his estates and such business entities, the Trump Corporation, has issued a gag order. Election interference could be so many different ways. It could be the pipe breaking in the middle of the night. It could be the pelican boxes coming out from underneath the tables. All those pelican boxes. Sucker boxes. Ballot harvesting. 2,000 mules, etc. Yeah. But it also could come in the way of, of lawfare, and that's a lot of what Donald Trump's had to incur, uh, you know, since he's left office. He touched on it in Iowa over the weekend, just election interference in general, and I wanted to play it before we wrap covering that and then take it over to Manhattan. Let's check it out. But this is high-level election interference at a level nobody's ever seen, actually, before, and it's happening for a single reason, because I'm the only candidate they do not want to run against. They say just the opposite. They are the party of disinformation and misinformation. They're the party of dis and misinformation. They are a party that says the opposite. They say, we want to run against Trump. Oh, we dream. Well, we beat him twice. We beat him against crooked Hillary. Isn't it nice that I changed her name? That was the best day of her life. You know, I took it away. Now we call her beautiful Hillary. (laughs) And we call... This guy, crooked, because it's just a, a, such an accurate term. But the polls bear this out, and uh, they don't want to run against me. I'm the last one. If they wanted to run against me, I wouldn't have had four indictments so far. 
I wouldn't be looked at by the Manhattan DA where they actually moved their top person in the DOJ into the Manhattan DA's office to head up the investigation of Trump. Can you imagine? Not supposed to do that. I don't even think you're legally allowed, but they moved their top person, Colangelo, they moved him into the Manhattan DA's office to head up the prosecution. They're dealing with Fannie Willis. Did you ever hear of Fannie Willis from Georgia? She's a real peach. Because we had the audacity to question an election, which in my opinion was absolutely rigged. I think we won Georgia. You know, a friend of mine from Alabama said, you don't win Alabama by the biggest number in history. You don't win South Carolina by the biggest number in history and then lose Georgia by a whisker. Mm. You don't do it. No, Call it's a shame. Cube. We have to straighten out our elections and we have to close up our borders. But in last week's big ABC poll, I'm leading Crooked Joe by 10 points. They don't like that. And then the brand new just came out New York Post poll, we're beating Biden by 11 points. No, they don't want to run against me. They want to run against anybody but me. But they want to say, I want to run against Trump. That's right. I want to run against Trump. He's only leading me by 11 points. Let's run against him. By the way, all the other <laughs> candidates are losing to him, mm. which is actually hard to believe, to be honest with you. Yeah. In the new morning console poll that you saw yesterday, I'm at 63%, and the sanctimonious is at 12%. Other than that, he's doing very well. <laughs> In New Hampshire, and that's the state, the sanctimonious has fallen all the way down close to the bottom of the pack. Oof. So even though Donald Trump has taken a hard pivot towards the general election and is hitting Joe Biden on a regular basis in all of his speaking events, he still does find time to <laughs> hit the injured bird who's falling fast, Ron D. Sanctimonious, at any point he can get. He did mention polls. So before we take it over to what's going on at the Manhattan DA's office this week, let's talk about some of these polls that came out recently. Some great ones for President Trump as the rest of the media continues to ignore it. National poll from Echelon. President Trump, 46%. Joe Biden, 43 Head-to-head matchup general election. You want to look at it in a three-way race with RFK, who's supposedly announcing on October 9th that he's going to be running as a true independent and leaving the Democrat Party or seeking the Democrat nomination. Trump, 40. Biden, 36. Kennedy, 14. Then when you look at the head-to-head matchups with other people, Donald Trump mentioned it. Ron DeSantis is losing to Joe Biden, 42 to 41%. Generic ballot, any GOP candidate versus any Democrat candidate, 48 to 44% Republican. And then GOP presidential primary, Trump 62, DeSantis 11, Ramaswamy 10, Pence 5, Haley 5. Ugly. Ugly numbers. And it's not like these needles have changed. Here's a good one, Noah, that came out yesterday. Battleground State, Pennsylvania, cruising through that rust belt, something Donald Trump failed to uh, win in 2020, must win in 2024 if he's to become president again. Biden 48, Trump 45. That's the first one out of there. So narrowing the margin, 2024 GOP post-primary one week out, Trump 50%, DeSanctis 15, Haley 14, Christie 5, Ramaswamy 3, Scott 2, all the rest not registering. Hmm. Now, when you see these poll numbers consistently coming out like that, what what does it say to you? Well, I mean, if, if those poll numbers are going to come out making the people that 
quote unquote, they want to win, look bad. Yeah. Then it must just be abysmal. Absolutely. And I think these numbers are, are definitely not accurate. They're definitely off by a couple points and not favoring Donald Trump, even though he's leading in all of them. Mm-hmm. National poll, Harvard Harris, Trump 45, Biden 42. Primary, Trump 56, DeSantis 11. Every other candidate in the race is in single digits. It looks just as bad in places like New Hampshire, where Ron DeSantis is polling in fourth. It looks bad in places like Iowa, where he's tied for second with three other people. And remember, Ron DeSantis has lived in Iowa for like five, six months now. You know, the Trump campaign put out a statement regarding this. This came from the desk of Susie Wiles and Chris LaCivita. Again, urging Ronna McDaniel, the GOP, and RNC apparatus to think about what they're doing before they waste a whole bunch of more money on the upcoming Miami presidential fake primary debate. I'm going to read it right now. The Republican National Committee should immediately cancel the upcoming debate in Miami and end all future debates in order to refocus its manpower and money on preventing Democrats' efforts to steal the 2024 presidential election. Anything less along with other reasons not to cancel are an admission to the grassroots that their concerns about voter integrity are not taking seriously, and the national Republicans are more concerned about helping Joe Biden and ensuring a safe and secure election. End of statement. How does that make you feel? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jason Miller was quoted this week as saying, you know, all of these witch hunts are politically motivated and backfiring. This is part of the effort to stop Donald Trump. However, Donald Trump's poll numbers keep going up. And even though now he's at a point so high where you only see the numbers going up like two, three points every time, it's that he's into the 50s and 60s that there's not much room left till you get to the ceiling. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go over to New York now. You talk about this case. I'm not an expert in home appraisals. I'm not an expert in corporate taxes. I don't think you are either, Noah. You're a lot of things, but not those. No, no. Okay. You could change a fuel pump pretty quick, but you can't do 10 years worth of taxes and talk about max property value at the market rate versus inflation, blah, blah, blah. No, I changed that fucking fuel pump and now my gas gauge doesn't work. Perfect. After all that, I have to drop the tank again. Mm. Motherfucker. Happens to the best of us. Yep. But Donald Trump is wrapped up in this thing right now where the judge without a jury or a trial or a verdict said Donald Trump lied on his taxes and exaggerated his wealth I can't believe they're still going with that. In one breath and in the same breath said places like Mar-a-Lago, which is a property that I would could only guesstimate is worth between $700 million and $1.5 billion based on its size, location, the fact that there's a golf course there, all of the upgrades. I, there's a skiff, fallout shelter, and all that stuff that they put in there. Is that a fallout? I want one of those. Mm-hmm. I was watching, uh, somebody had a fucking Jimmy Kimmel on, and he was like, going through his little fucking bullshit talking about Trump or whatever. And he's like, he's the only person that would over, over represent or whatever the, whatever the terminology was his property while he's being investigated for over representing his property. And I'm like, but he's not. Yeah. And And that's the thing. It's like the people that watch this stuff, they just take it at face value, and these fucking puppets will just feed them this line of bullshit. Because that particular example of Jimmy Kimmel saying that Donald Trump is continuing to do the thing that he's being investigated for, while in reality, they've appraised his property as the value of a vacant lot in the same area. Yeah. 
and what you just mentioned, a fucking skiff, a bunker. I, I was sharing around line the other day. There was like a, what did, what did the show? Oh, Access Hollywood show mm-hmm. from like the 80s when Donald Trump bought it. He did like an exclusive interview mm-hmm. and talked about how he paid. Oh, how much did they say it was worth then? $30 million. $30 million. Now it's worth $18 million. Well, there's depreciation. Yeah, you of know, course. Binomics. Mm. <laughs> he definitely hasn't done any renovations. How much are gold shitters worth? I'd be scared to sit on one, to be honest with you. I feel like I just don't. You're not going to melt it. I haven't earned it, though. You didn't have Taco Bell. No, I don't like Taco Bell. Pretty nasty. <laughs> I like El Pollo Grill. It's delicious. Yeah. Mm. Embattled New York Attorney General, Letitia Tish Peekaboo. Peekaboo. Yes. James was outside of Manhattan courthouse yesterday talking about this witch hunt against Donald Trump and just how she really felt about it. Pronouns excluded. Let's hear it. Donald Trump and the other defendants have con- committed persistent and repeated fraud. Last week, we proved that in our motion for summary judgment. Today, uh, we will prove our other claims. My message is simple. No matter how powerful you are, No matter how much money you think you may have. Vagina. No one is above the law. And it is my responsibility and my duty and my job to enforce it. The law is both powerful and fragile. And today in court, we will prove our case. I thank you all for being here. And again, justice will prevail. Thank you. Speaking of double negatives. She never guest hosts on this show. No. Judge... I, I could play peekaboo with her over the monitor like I do with you, though. Yeah, you do sometimes. <laughs> Judge Angoron. What? Who, Is that a transformer? You see all the... how uh, That guy from Fox News yesterday who took the camera angle first of, like, Letitia James being <laughs> mean-mugging Donald Trump and then went to blurry Donald Trump and focused in on him and went over to the judge and he, like, posed and smiled. To, dude, at the office and the full house and all those oh other my memes, gosh. Came, they were fantastic. I th- so that wasn't, like, a thing where... They were, like, face-swapping? No. I thought it was, like, literally a fucking 80s sitcom, and they were face-swapping. I, I think what happened was part of um, them getting their sights locked in on the camera during a commercial break, they actually, there was probably someone there with a little bit of meme crap creativity and, <laughs> and just leaked it online. Somebody broke character. And it was awesome. But, uh, yeah, this whole thing, you know, Eric Trump was there, too. He sat in a row behind his father. And, you know, Donald Trump's already announced that he'll testify in this case when ready. This is personal. That's why Donald Trump's there for this civil suit. He doesn't need to be there. His lawyers can be present. You know, it's not. A, but listen, they're trying to erase his legacy. They dissolved the Trump Corporation in the state of uh, New York, appending appeals. And you know what it went under the radar yesterday while Donald Trump was in court? Your boy was in court, Hunter Biden. Mm, why is he my boy? So he was given some stipulations where he pleaded not guilty to everything. Really? Even though last month he was ready to plead guilty to everything because he had the sweetheart plea deal. Yep. And he was allowed to keep his passport and can travel as long as he lets the probation office know. He must find a job and seek gainful employment. His penis paintings don't count. I was about to say, his fucking brilliant uh, art career is not going to take off. And he's required, and I'm air quoting here, to take unannounced, unscheduled urine analyses. He has to do pee tests. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. But who's P? Well, just remember the FBI called him two weeks before they said they were going to raid his dad's house and told him to clean everything out. So you can only imagine how those unscheduled and unannounced P tests are going to go down. Oh, for sure. It'd be funny if, like, he gives a P test and then they say that he's pregnant. <laughs> 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 We've seen that before. 
Donald Trump provided a brief statement yesterday when he got out of the case. I'm sorry. When he came out of the courtroom and was pretty fired up, to be honest. Let's hear it. I think that was very good. That last five minutes was outstanding because the judge essentially conceded that the statute of limitations that uh, we won at the Court of Appeals is in effect. Therefore, about 80% of the case is over. I was going to come out and say that, as you know, we're not entitled to a jury, which is pretty unusual in the United States of America. So uh, you think it's very unfair that I don't have a jury, but uh, the judge's last statement was very fair. And if I read it right, I'll let perhaps one of the lawyers speak to it. But Cliff, maybe you'll speak to it if you would. But uh, the way I interpret that and the way everyone else in the room seems to interpret that is that the statute of limitations uh, is a very real thing in this country. And that would be about 80% of this case would be over. Uh, could somebody speak to that, please? Cliff, you want to talk about that? Sure. So based on the judge's comments, based on the judge's comments at the end of the hearing, at the end of the trial today, here that he is agreeing that all the transactions that closed prior to 2014 are now out of the case. Which is about 80% of the case. And it's also uh, something that we won on appeal, but was not accepted by this court, but now seems to be accepted by this court. Which is a really important point that the president's making. And you know what? It shows just how much he's still dialed in all the other shit that's going on. And he could come and provide it like two minutes of commentary on what's going on with this case. It doesn't sound like he was briefed. He was actually talking off the cuff here. So the original ruling that was made last week, which dissolved the Trump Corporation, it revoked all of their business licensees, and, you know, is finding Donald Trump liable. This is a $250 million civil suit from the state of New York. That roughly 80% of this case got thrown out on day one, which was Monday because the statute of limitations had fallen off from the years 2001 to 2014 that they said was part of the initial ruling. Now they're only going to be able to use 2014 to 2021. Um, Four of those years are going to be when Donald Trump was the president, and outside of what... Did he not make any money when he was president? Correct, and that's why this affects Don Jr. and Eric, because they were, in fact, running the Trump organization... And this falls on to, like, their business dealings that happened when he was in the Oval Office. Obviously, 2014, 2015 is going to count against President Trump. But you're looking at what directly affects him outside of the business portion of it, like the Trump Corporation, Donald Trump solely. You're talking about there's one year. And what they're going off of and that they played in the courtroom yesterday, one of our favorite clips. Mr. Marilardo himself, mm. Michael Cohen, said that at one time, when he was serving as one of Donald Trump's personal lawyers, who was dealing with these monies, that Donald Trump stated, after Michael Cohen said he was worth roughly $6 billion, that Donald Trump said, well, actually, I think I'm closer to, uh, I'm, I'm worth closer to $8 billion. It's probably $8 billion. Like Donald Trump does with everything else. Mm-hmm. I just read you five polls in the middle of this segment, and Donald Trump inflated those numbers by one or two or three or five points at his speaking events. Now, here's the thing. Every time Donald Trump says he's at a certain number in the polls, eventually they get there. But you're going to go off testimony from someone who's a convicted felon and already has lied under 
oath and committed perjury and went to jail for it as someone who has a vendetta to get Donald Trump, who Donald Trump's personally suing for defamation and lying against him as well. You're going to take his testimony as like the gold standard for why Donald Trump has to pay the state of New York $250 million in in penalties and lose his business licenses there? Yeah, all the mouth breathers are just going to listen to whatever the talking head is. It doesn't matter what their past Mm -hmm. is because nobody's going to going to mention any of that stuff when they're introducing this guy oh this is the guy right now he's gonna take donald trump down and they just fucking gleefully squeal all the way to the slaughter how does that sound you know where are the documents that were in these empty top secret files that were found at mara lardo <laughs> i love it donald trump appeared from a manhattan courtroom and had some of his greatest hits on deck today I would allow our listenership to buckle up, especially if you're driving. You're probably going to laugh. Buckle up, buckaroo. Mm. Why did you decide to come? You didn't have to. I don't have to. Because this trial is a rigged trial, a fraudulent trial. The attorney general was a fraud. And we have to expose her as that. Uh, you see what's going on? It's a rigged deal. What's the frankly, and frankly, you saw what was just put out about Schumer. And the principal clerk, that is disgraceful. Steve McCarthy, should he stay? So he wasn't having it today. No. As we're getting ready to wrap here and jump in with Jeremy Ryan Slate for the first time, it's going to be great sitting down with him. There's a lot of stuff relevant to where his expertise lies and what's going on on Capitol Hill today. You'll see what I'm talking about in just a minute. Official spokeswoman and legal consult for Save America, Alina Haba jumped on with Jesse Waters last night and was talking about the case a little bit. Let's hear. And then there's this world that they all live in, and they put on quite a performance trying to make it look like there was corruption that doesn't exist. And we got up and we made it very clear. First, let's start with something very basic. We are not supposed to be here doing this trial right now because we're not even sure what the scope is because the appellate division hasn't said so. Now we're sitting here in court, we're putting on our arguments and we're saying, wait a minute, you're relying on Michael Cohen. They played a clip from him today. I started laughing. They played a clip of Michael Cohen at the court case. That was how they thought their strong point was. Let's start off. Wait, Letitia James, the Democrat attorney general, led with Michael Cohen in court. (laughs) That should tell you everything you need to know. This judge looked a little creepy with a (laughs) smile. What was your opinion of him? I am not going to state it. I'm going to let you do it. Very good. I'll state it. He looked very deranged. (laughs) So the vibe inside was what? The president was there. He didn't have to show up, but he did. Why did he show up? Because this is his company. This is his life. And people forget that President Trump, I, I hope they don't forget. You shouldn't. You can't. President Trump was a very important person before he was president. He was a successful businessman, which is why he was a great president. He built this company from scratch, and now they're attacking his business, the people that work for this business and his children it's uncanny and he's not going to stand for it because this is political lawfare this isn't this isn't the justice system this is political a hundred percent he needed to be there he needed to look him in the eye does he beat this whole rap he should and if he doesn't beat it in this court i'll tell you right now we'll beat it somewhere else this is this is uh, the most ridiculous case i've ever seen yep smart and you want to know what it's going to be up to the appellate circuit eventually to uh take this case on and and Prove that Donald Trump, listen, how many times does anybody say anything about themselves that's better than what it actually is? It's just normal. Mm-hmm. And 
going off of the fact that Donald Trump might have told Michael Cohen he was worth a billion or two more than he actually was <laughs> on paper in conversation, it doesn't mean that Michael Cohen was going back through all the tax forms with a fucking whiteout and saying like, oh shit, he said eight billion. I better cross out all the six billions and put eight billion because he said so. Mm-mm. No, this is a get him, got him way that the radical progressive Democrat party is going to try and erase Donald Trump's legacy, not as President Trump. They're doing that with the lawfare that's being waged against him to put him in prison forever yeah, or to prevent him from running for you know, president next year, of which is never going to happen. Donald Trump will be running for president. He'll be on every single ballot in every single state, guaranteed. You want to know what? It's kind of pertinent. To the, so the Supreme Court threw out some hypothetical cases recently, Noah, where people were saying like, hey, this person's trying to keep Donald Trump off the ballot. Supreme Court said, I don't want to hear it. They want somebody to pull the trigger and remove Donald Trump off the ballot so they can set the precedent as the highest court in the land without the ability to appeal that Donald Trump is to remain on all the ballots. So all these people that are running around and saying 14th Amendment this and Donald Trump's going to be off of that, it's all bullshit in hearsay. You got to be able to cut through that stuff. We tried to do it for you today. I'll be honest with you. Noah's tired. I'm exhausted. This was a shit show of a show. (laughs) And when you're dealing with stuff in real time, the best thing you can do is try to play it as a non-live news entity and just provide commentary and what's up to the minute. I mean, they're up on Capitol Hill right now. It's like, you know, you've got Tom Massey screaming at people. You've got Matt Gates saying up there, I, I take no lecture on asking patriotic Americans to weigh in and contribute to this fight on who would, you know, wield the gavel and bend the knees to the lobbyists, the globalists, and the Democrat Party. It's just boo-hoo all you want who have hollowed out this town and have borrowed against the future of our future generations. And and that's from Congressman Matt Gates right now up on Capitol Hill. I guess we'll have some highlights. I, they look like lowlights to me for our Friday edition of the show. We were also supposed to catch up with Corey Mills right now. I see him sitting adjacent to Matt Gates, literally in real time right behind George Santos, who's laughing while Matt Gates is up there giving everybody a lecture. So <laughs> that that's all basically where we're at as far as the motion to vacate the speaker goes. We'll have a very much clear picture of that by Friday. We'll also probably have Corey Mills in there by then. We're going to jump in with Jeremy Ryan Slate for the first time in just a moment. But before we do, let's hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is hand-picked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. You get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's the host of the Create Your Own Life podcast. He's always in our comment section, and we've been looking forward to sitting down for quite a while with Mr. Jeremy Ryan Slate. Jeremy, thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I love the uh, you know, the stuff you guys are spreading around on Twitter and, and making some stuff happen, or I guess it's called X now. So, uh, so thanks for having me on today, man. Oh, it's our pleasure. And, uh, you know, we, we've connected for a while. It's great to finally get you in here. And I think a lot of the stuff that you're kind of an expert in is going to be able to accurately be applied to our show narrative today. So I want to I want to talk to you first about current events and politics. I mean, we were talking before we started and hit the record button today on the current state of things up on Capitol Hill. 
as someone who kind of, you know, looks at this from, from the outside looking in, obviously we're not Congress people here. We're not senators. We don't work for the government. But the fact of the matter is we do provide insight on it quite often. How do you see this all shaking down, you know, the last couple of weeks? I mean, we've had everything from, like, the budget battle, the proposed shutdown, fire alarms getting pulled, people jumping from side to side. And, and how do you think this is kind of going to play out? I don't know, man. I feel like a person that has dated a lot of the wrong people over the years and I'm just trying to figure out who to trust anymore. Do you, you know what I mean? It's like, is this one good? Is that one good? Oh, that one got kind of swampy. Now that one's okay. And it's it, it's the difficult thing about it, man, is I just want to do what's best for the Constitution and what's best for America. And it seems like it's a lot of people that are much more worried about personal favors, about you know where they're going from here, what the ladder looks like. And rather than like, you know, what are their constituents want from them or what do they want for this country? And, and frankly, I really don't know what to do about that other than, you know, we have to take a look at, at changing how this thing operates. And if you even and, and from the perspective of. If you take a look at what George Washington originally recommended, he wanted the number of uh, representatives to be a lot higher, right, because the, num the amount of people they represented would be smaller than what they currently are. And we'd need a much bigger city to keep them all in, but they'd, they'd never agree on anything, which would be amazing for the country. So I think at the same time, we're in this really weird position right now where it's a lot of people all looking for their next level. And I, I don't know how good that is for the country. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, we always uh, kind of romanticize and, and like you even alluded to create that ex-girlfriend complex with a lot of these congressmen and women up there who in the moment kind of seem to rise to the occasion. And then the next vote comes around and, and we live in such a digital age where there's so many accounts that are just dropping the roster of all people that voted on something shitty. And you're like, wow, mm -hmm. they, they really fought for border security last week, but now they're sending money to Ukraine. That doesn't kind of make sense because we haven't done anything about border security. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a lot of high drama. I, I think a lot of it is theatrics as well. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. especially when it comes like to things like the government shutdown. I mean, I think the longest one was a little over 30 days. It's not like we'd be shutting it down forever. But, uh, you know, I've already seen Congress people today on television saying like, well, if I don't vote to vacate the speaker today, if we don't get things done in appropriations and I'm definitely shutting this government down, it's going to be Joe Biden's fault. And I'm like, is it at this point or is it just but a I think that's just a threat at this point, too. Yeah. I was talking to Tony Schaefer about this last week. And, and, and I think one of the big issues is he said, you know, he spent a lot of time intelligence. He spent a lot of time uh, in DOD. And he said, you know, we're all going to get paid eventually. So he's like, I don't understand why the government shutdown is used as this this giant threat. And I think the there's different types of audiences, right? So I'm in PR. So I look at things differently than how other people look at things. And there's different types of audiences and how they're meant. And this is actually meant for your population that is on welfare and they're on um, entitlement programs and they're on uh, Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. That is what that is directed to because they're trying to scare those people so that those people then say, Congressman, you have to make this work or I'm not going to be able to pay for anything. When in actuality, a lot of those payments aren't going to change. Um, what's just going to happen is things are going to slow down. You will have some people that don't work for a period of time in government and we'll have to take a look where our spending actually goes. But What's the, the reason they use this whole shutdown narrative isn't intended for people like you and me and Noah. It's intended for those people that depend on this stuff to live. And I think that's what, what they're actually trying to do is scare those people. So they call their congressmen and say, hey, you got to let this pass. Yeah, it's like uh, and that, this is how these people get voted in. 
time and time and time again when, you know, quite often an overwhelming majority of both sides of the aisle are just rubber stamps for who's ever in leadership. It's the fear factor, and then it's the familiar face. And like we talked about, it's sometimes coming to the forefront and appearing on a whole bunch of news uh, shows over the course of a weekend or in the evening circuit and just, you know, getting it out there to, oh, yeah, I remember that person. I just have to vote for them because they they probably did something good, even though I don't like the way the government's running right now. uh, They probably did something good or at least tried to. And, and, you know, this pales in comparison to where your expertise comes in, Jeremy. You've studied the uh, Roman Empire, Roman emperors, the fall of the Republic, and the times that we're kind of entering now. You see a lot of, not just up on Capitol Hill, but nationwide, the rise of DEI, the transgender movement. You want to talk about uh, how schools across the country in the United States have just dropped levels of education down to, I mean, you've got, you know, a decent percentage of the kids in the United States, especially in a lot of the uh, Democrat-ran states and and inner cities that are graduating with with essentially no education. If they can't pass the equivalency test, they can't read, write, do math. It's like, you know, they're only contributing to nothing uh, when they graduate. And the fact of the matter is, is that, this country has been running into this for a long time. I think a lot of it was uh, kind of kept away from the public sight, but now, like I had referred to earlier in this digital age, the curtain's getting pulled back more and more every day, and we're getting to see just how... I mean, we you, you had a sitting congressman last night get carjacked at gunpoint, like a block and a half away from the Capitol. Mm. And, you know, when when the awful policies that they continue to ram through are now affecting them in their daily lives... You got to be looking at this and saying, as someone who isn't a historian yourself, I've seen this before, and, and the end results, more often than not, are not that good. Yeah, I, I have a master's in uh, early Roman Empire propaganda, which is not very applicable in the world of like getting a job, but it just kind of sounds cool. <laughs> and I was into the Roman Empire before it was cool. So, but the, the thing that you have to look at, there's some things that are similar to the transition from the Empire to the Republic, and there's some things that are very different. And I think the thing that's that's very different. If what if you look what, look what happened in the last hundred years of Rome, it was general after general after general that that then attacked Rome, took over the city, and and for a period of time declared themselves in in control. You know, look you look at you know Gaius Marius going into Sulla, going into um, Augustus. So that is the thing that is quite different. We're not experiencing something like that, but what we are experiencing is a greater centralization of power than we've ever seen before. Um, and and Rome was a republic from the standpoint of. You know, you had your two uh, two consuls that would be in power for a period of years, and then they were balanced out by the Senate. But what happened was you had these guys towards the end of that of, of that era, the first of that really being um, Augustus, who was the, the first emperor. He, he took and made this idea of a consulship for life. So basically making themselves an emperor. And that is really the first person to do that. So what you've seen is this centralization of power, which You've seen in the last, I don't know, five presidents, especially, you know, uh, a lot. As much as I love Trump, he did way too much use executive orders, which I don't like because it takes power away from Congress and the other branches of government. And we've seen more centralization than we have ever seen before under this president. And unless we get power back to the other branches, that being the the legislature and, and um, you know the judicial then we are going towards a very similar idea. So to me, if you look at that, that is exactly what is happening here. And unless the other branches of government get that power back, which has been usurped from them, you know, we're headed down a very similar road. And the thing that solidified that authoritarian rule of an emperor is they actually took and they made state religion worship the emperor. Yep. And that was something that propaganda and, and Augustus was the one, you know, using coinage and all these other things to, to make people believe that. But if you look at what's happened as a country, we've actually lost our spirituality and lost our religion and the religion of statism 
or the religion of, you know, what we're seeing on the left is actually becoming, you know, the religion of the masses. You look at how the left responds to things. Now, you make an excellent point. I want to kind of stick in the thread right here because, you know, you said the power has been continuously taken away from the people. How important is it that our elections are where people make their voices heard? I mean, I know it's kind of cliche to say that, but literally and not just metaphorically for it to happen, because here's the thing. You, you referred back to President Trump. He ran into Congress with Paul Ryan, as Speaker of the House, when, when he took the Oval Office back in 2016. And you had Paul Ryan hot mic you know, that he would never work with Donald Trump and the guy was a clown. And even though optically he tried to save face for the first couple months, by the time he was voted out in 2018, Paul Ryan was doing everything he can to not get the Trump agenda passed. Then you parlay that into the Schumer and Pelosi-led Congress, who essentially, you know, We've sent a quarter of a trillion dollars to Ukraine in the last year and a half, but they wouldn't give Donald Trump like $4 billion to finish his border wall. And now they kind of use it as a talking point in elections moving forward. So when you see the executive orders coming down the path, I mean, Joe Biden kind of rewrit the rule on executive orders. He cranked out like 80 in his first 20 hours uh, as president, essentially erasing the entire Trump doctrine or as much as he could when he took office. But it's, how important is it to have these people in Congress who are going to work with you? You know, you running for something as the highest office in the world, essentially, the president, shouldn't be just you want to win the presidency. It's that you have to be able to work functionally with all levels of government. And if the House and the Senate aren't necessarily going to be in your favor, it should be your job, for the most part, on the campaign trail to get out there and stump for the people that are going to help make your job easier and therefore service the American people on the platform that you're campaigning on while you're going through the election cycle. What do you think of that? Well, I think there there's two separate problems here. I think the first the first being, um, you know, 1913. And when you look at that, you know, the 17th Amendment passing, which took the uh, power away from the state legislatures to then vote for the Senate, the Senate became essentially a second Congress. So you took a lot of voice away and you took away a lot of balance in, in that. So you really kind of destroyed what it means to be Republican in that specific year. A lot happened that year, too. We have we have that we have the Federal Reserve, we have income tax, a lot happened in the year of 1913. So that's the, the the first thing I would say is we have to get back to a functional republic, which is not what we have in the moment. We have, you know, a, a rubber stamp, which goes for the right or goes for the left. And if you're not in the club, you're you're kind of in trouble. So I think that's, that's one part of it. Um, when you look at the other side of it as well, it puts us in this strange position of the president is trying to achieve something and he doesn't know who he can trust. So I think as well, something has to be handled with who these people are in political office, how long they stay there. They're entirely too long, who their donors are. There's a lot that has to be handled around where their money comes from, where it goes and how long they're there. And I think if you can handle those two things, you can handle a lot. But at the same time, those are giant things to handle. And, you know, whether you have a good president or a bad president, um, it makes them being able to only legislate by executive order. And that's a real problem. Yeah, it certainly is. So what you're saying is it's it's definitely okay to be thinking about the Roman Empire, sometimes multiple times a day. But if you don't start <laughs> literally doing something about it, we are going to be running into the same problems probably faster than we all assume. Jeremy, this has been awesome sitting down with you today. Yeah. We're going to live link everything you've got in the show description today, your podcast, uh, your YouTube channel, and of course your website. But for anyone that's not following on social media, where can they check you out? Um, best place is probably going to be on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Ryan Slate over there. I make a lot of noise. Um, and at the moment, we're making a lot of noise on YouTube. We'll see how long we last, but we're also on Rumble, so you can find us there too. There you go. Yeah, at least you got that safe gap stuck in right there. This is the host of the Create Your Own Life podcast, now a great friend of Steak for Breakfast, Mr. Jeremy Ryan Slate. Thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm sorry, Noah. <laughs> this is a busy show today. What do you think? It happens. 
Yeah, we're not a 24-hour news network, but we did provide pretty damn good podcasts, if you have to ask me. If you enjoyed this episode of the show and want to hear the now almost 280 other editions of Steak for Breakfast, you better be following us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcasts. Follow the show, subscribe to us, rate it, review, and make sure you're getting those downloads cranking in because they only help us out. In addition, across our social medias, Twitter, Getter, Truth Social, and Instagram, find the Steak for Breakfast accounts, follow us, and hit the notification bell. We want to thank all of our guests for coming down today. South Carolina representative Ralph Norman, great touching base with him for the first time. Former ambassador Carla Sands, always a treat when she joins us on the show. And uh, I don't know about you, Noel, but I'm thinking about the Roman Empire now that we talked to Jeremy Ryan Slate for the first time. Right. They definitely helped make steak great again. Guys, don't worry. It's going to be a busy week, but we'll have a lot clearer picture of what's going on, especially with the Speaker of the House stuff on Friday. When we come back for an absolutely packed edition of the show, we're going to have two congressmen in here, Kevin Kiley and Representative Klein. We're going to sit down with the People's Pundit, Richard Barris. Always a treat when he stops by. You're going to like this one, Noah. Wayne Dupree stopping by for the first time as well. Nice. So on behalf of all of our pod team here, I'm Roan. Noah. Later. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Take care. And he has a rather large head. O.J. Simpson in a knit cap from two blocks away is still O.J. Simpson. It's no disguise. It's no disguise. It makes no sense. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit.